Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Waiting on God, it's a message that I think is obviously relevant for everyone because everyone in life, as I have stated from the beginning of this series, and need to reiterate because it's obvious to set the stage for uh, the final part, part three. But waiting is the essence of life. We all have to wait. And, and I don't know too many people that pray about wanting or needing to wait throughout their day for whatever it may be, whether as I stated before, waiting in line at a grocery store or just waiting itself. Waiting is hard on us. Would you agree with me? How many would agree? Just waiting. Now let's roll that over. That's the natural, waiting in the natural, in line, et cetera, et cetera. But let's roll that over into our walk with the Lord, our journey with Jesus. How many know having to wait on whatever we've petitioned God or requested from the Lord or what we see in our life as a needed victory or breakthrough, how many know waiting on God for his ability to deliver us, that's hard. That's hard. Matter of fact, the example for me, I was thinking about this today, is um, in my early years uh, as a Christian, in my early years as a, as a man, I was, you know, in my teens going into my, actually I was rolling into my 20s, and I wanted to be married so bad. Now we have, how many single folks here tonight? Let me see single folks. Well, especially the younger single folks. This is for you, and it's probably only just you over here, so we might as well just roll on over here and just... <laughs> How many believe in gifts of the spirit in operation tonight? <laughs> right? No, anyways, I remember I wanted to be married so bad. And, uh, you know, I tried to help God, as Melissa, my wife of 30 years, can tell you, because her and I were in a singles group at our church. I'm 19 years old, 18, 19. I came to the Lord at the age of 17. So, you know, about 18, 19, as soon as I turned an adult, I was like, yes, I'm getting married. I don't know why I wanted to be married so bad, maybe just to get out of my house or what, but I don't know. But um, so I decided to date single Christian ladies, Christian ladies in the singles group, and I started going through them pretty quick. (laughs) No, this is a true story. To the point where it made attention of the elders in the church than the senior pastor of the church. Now the senior pastor, this is a pretty large church for back then, it was a church of almost a thousand people. How many know back in the 80s, that's a big church. Now the senior pastor was real good friends of Melissa, my my wife's uh, parents, and her parents, her dad was a senior head elder. And so they've gotten the news of Ken ripping through all these various uh, uh, opportunities that I thought of dating various Christian women in the church and asking them to marry me. I figured that's what you were supposed to, don't laugh, Pastor Don, this is very sensitive to me. This is very, very sensitive. This is, you you should have been there. It was, it was funny. Wasn't funny for me when you're called in by the elders and the senior pastor, actually he used the associate pastor. I mean, I'm a young kid and I'm like, what'd I do wrong, man? I want to get, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. I went looking. You know what I mean, John? Well, well, they decided to step in and help Ken to quit looking because they noticed, now listen to this, they noticed I was getting close to Melissa. And this is the funny thing. She was my best friend at that time. 
She was my, literally like my sister in the Lord. She was my best friend. I would go to her for advice or comfort about these girls I was dating that were dumping me left and right. I don't know why. But I would go to her for support and counsel. Isn't that funny? And the whole time through that process, God, you know, I didn't know it at the time. I was young and dumb. But looking back, God was teaching me a lot about waiting on him for the very best. She was the very best the whole time. I had no clue, single people. And here's the key, she was my best friend. Those other girls weren't my best friend. I, I didn't know what a wife was to be. I didn't know what a spouse, you know, to have that kind of relationship in marriage. You gotta be best friends. But in that process, waiting on God, God taught me so much. But I think, again, I said all that to say this, because somebody gave me a, a, a note here on the way in um, church, and, and it's somebody that's been in the church a long time that I respect, and I really believe here from the Lord. And they said, you know, I believe this is maybe possibly a word from the Lord, and it's a scripture and some thoughts with the scripture. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, man, Lord, you know, this is appropriate because it fits my message and the theme of where we're going. Because the scripture that they had was Psalm 106, verse 43. Now, it's smaller print. The hand wrote this, and I don't have my glasses, so I'm going to need the Holy Spirit to interpret this. How many Paul's ready to hand me his? I bet you they would work. Let's see this. Now, look, I got guys just bonds and glasses. Are you ready? Tell me if I look as good as Paul. Do I look good as? No, I don't. Whoa. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I can see the fine print of that little blue line. Man, that is, woo, Paul. Anyways, sorry, it just caught me off guard. Psalm 106, focus, Ken. Yes, I will. Psalm 106, verse 43. It's an amazing verse, but there's a thought here. And, and, and as I was worshiping the Lord and I was looking over this, and I thought, this is appropriate because in this message that this person believed God spoke to them for us here tonight, it may be for one person, it may be for all of us. I think it'll help all of us. But it talks about that, how we return back to the very things that we're delivered from. We turn back, I couldn't see the people, Paul, I had to take them off. We turn back to the very things we're delivered from. And, I, and I'm standing there, I'm thinking, why is that? See, in essence, it's abusing the grace of God and the goodness of God, but I don't think we wake up and say, you know what, I'm gonna abuse the grace of God today. I don't think that's what we do. But in essence, to be delivered from something and keep turning back to those very things, that stuff, that sin in our lives, to keep turning back to those things, that's what we're doing. In essence, we are abusing the goodness and the grace of God. How many are with me tonight? But why do we do that? And I was standing there. I believe the Lord has really shown me how it fits the message. I believe a lot of times we turn back to those very things that we were delivered from because there's probably something we're waiting for the Lord to maybe possibly even when it comes to changing us. And we become impatient with God changing us. How many are with me tonight? So we say, you know what, it's of no use. Why should I continue? Why should I go on? He, man, Lord, you haven't done the work in me that I'm so desiring and so needing. So I'm just gonna go ahead and turn back to those things that I'm familiar with. 
See, I don't believe we wake up and say, let's abuse the grace of God, the goodness of God. But there are those of us, in fact, probably all of us, maybe with that testimony, that at one time in our lives, we may have turned back to the very things that God has delivered us from. How many, how many want to help those that this word's for tonight? Let me see your hands. How many have ever experienced? I have. Matter of fact, even in the situation that I shared after the, the senior pastor and the elders involved, of course, did Ken stop his search? No. For a moment. So I think we all can avail to that word. Was that okay that I shared that tonight? Does that help you? Does that help set the stage? Let's grab our notes, let's grab our pens, and let's look at what God has for us tonight. Let's take a moment and just pray over this. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, I believe that word at the very beginning of Psalm 106, verse 43, was definitely for someone tonight, if not all of us. What a reminder. What a courtesy reminder from you, Holy Spirit, to remind us your goodness and your grace. Father, it's priceless. Lord, everyone here in this room right now, every one of us, either we have or we currently are, but we're definitely going to be in the future, having to wait on you and believe you for something that's not going to instantly come to pass. That moment of asking, petitioning you, that moment of seed planting our faith to believe whether it's for a better marriage, health and healing in our bodies, deliverance in our finances, a relationship restored, a job and employment that's needed to be brought to, whatever it may be. The moment that we've asked that time of seed planting and then the harvest when it actually comes to pass, Lord, it's that span of time in between of asking and it coming to pass. Father, help us tonight to hear and to see what we need to learn to help in that time of waiting. The most crucial seasons of our lives. Because Lord, my heartbreak is how many here at the sound of my voice may have given up before the harvest ever came to pass and they might have been one day away from their harvest, but they quit. So Father, help us learn in Jesus' name. How many agree with that? Amen. Limitations chapter three, verse 26 is the top text scripture. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. We've explained that waiting for the salvation of the Lord, that once you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and you ask him to forgive you of your sin, the Bible says you become born again. Literally what that means for those who are here tonight who have yet to make that decision, what that means God changes you on the inside. How many know that's a good start? When you don't like things that you're doing on the outside, the changing of you on the inside for the good is awesome. So waiting for the salvation of the Lord isn't just that moment that you accept Jesus to become born again. It's throughout your journey. It's throughout your walk. It's throughout your 
pilgrimage with Jesus that he continually wants to show you his salvation. In other words, bless you. We talked about this last week. Everyone here wants the blessings of the Lord. There's nobody in their right mind that doesn't want the blessings of the Lord. How many here want the blessings of the Lord in your life? How many want more blessings? And that's, a, that's not a covetous thing. That's not a greedy thing. That is a very healthy thing, matter of fact, because we're entitled believers for a reason. Because God says, I dare for you to believe me for those blessings. Because the more blessings I bestow upon you, the more of a blessing you can be unto others. But there's another portion of scripture, it's not on your notes, it's Ecclesiastes chapter three. You can or cannot turn there, and I'm gonna go through this very quickly because this is how we end up with part four. But the, these scriptures are on, my, are, are, are on my heart. Ecclesiastes chapter three, Ecclesiastes chapter three, I get it not yet. At the very beginning of that chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse one, it says, to everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. For everything, there's a season. So whatever you ask of the Lord, there is a due season for that to come to pass. And that's the dilemma, because typically 99% of the time, it isn't our timetable. But the Lord in his omniscience, he knows better. Now, one of the things, I, I gotta share this, last week in this part of the series, we really tagged on the fact of waiting on God when it comes to us being in the waiting room of an emergency room, needing help, and that we know we're waiting in that, that room, that waiting room, believing that they're behind the curtain, so to speak. They haven't called on us to get up out of our seat yet to help us in our, our moment of pain, but we're sitting in that emergency room, waiting room, believing they're preparing for us in the back. How many have ever had that experience? We've gotta believe the same when it comes to God. But one of the things that was really the theme, if you will, of last week was God working on us through the process of the time we ask and the time that whatever we've asked for to comes to pass, that in that time span, God's wanting to work on us. That was really the heart of, of last week. This week, tonight, I want to really help us from what we have in our notes to show us that we do have an enemy. We do have an adversary who does not want you to have the blessings of the Lord. And there is warfare that goes on. Spiritually, I know that's a, a new statement for some and we'll help explain that hopefully, but you know, again, I've said this before, but if we can peel back the natural and show you into the spiritual realm, the spiritual realm is real. And there are angels and there are demons and the devil's real and God's real. See, if we believe God's real, you, you gotta believe that the devil's real because you know, it's just, that's just the, the realm of the spiritual that we don't see. But in these verses, it talks about there's a time to, to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, and it goes on in those verses. But there's a verse I wanted to get to. You can look on with, at your Bible if you want in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. It won't be up on the screen unless they're really quick, but I didn't give these to the media team. But verse 11, I love this, and this is where I want to roll on our notes. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Oh, they got it. You guys are awesome. He has made everything beautiful in its what? Time. Due season. The blessing coming to pass. And also he has put eternity where? 
in their hearts, except that no one could find out the work that God has done from the beginning to the end. Notice what this is saying. There's a work that goes on that really is an eternal work. It's a spiritual work. But God says, I've put eternity in your heart. In other words, the Holy Spirit lives inside you so that he can help you with this process because God knows the beginning and he knows the end. And one of the things, things I said last week, God's more caught up concerning you than what you've asked him for. See, when you say, God, restore my marriage, help my marriage, you know, whatever it may be, God help, God help me in my finances. God wants you to have that blessed marriage. He wants you to have uh, uh, the, the, the breakthrough in your finances or actually have money in your bank account, right? But that's, God's not caught up in that, folks. You know what he's more caught up with and concerned? You. What is he gonna teach you in that journey as it talks about in that scripture from the due season, it's time of that thing coming to pass. God's gonna teach you all kinds of things. And guess, and, and folks, it's not about your spouse when you're praying about your marriage. It's gonna be about you. Everybody say, I'm glad I came to church tonight. Go ahead, say it. Because God knows you better than you know you. And he's gonna teach you about you out of that knowledge of who he sees you to be, amen? So in your notes, if you can, here's where we left off. If you go in your notes and look at 20 facts about waiting on God, 20 facts about waiting on God, if you look to fact number six, I believe that's filled in, we kinda end it right around there. So I'm gonna give you the rest of these facts. How many believe I can give you the rest of these facts in 18 minutes? Pastor Don said, you will do it, son. No, he says he believes. He believes, you believe, Pastor Don? I'm going in third gear. You ever hear me talk in third gear? I can talk fast. You ready? Here we go. I'm in first. I'm up shifting to second. Here we go. Fact number seven. Now we're giving you 20 facts about waiting on God. These are facts that help you learn how to wait on God, simply put. Because again, I believe that in the waiting seasons of life, that's why most Christians quit. So hopefully, hopefully, these, at least one of these facts will help you. Here we go, fact number seven. He, God, decides when you deserve and qualify the harvest he has already promised. God, how many know, has that opportunity to decide and qualify the time of the harvest. We already talked about that. Number eight, you've gotta keep your excitement about your harvest. You've got to keep your excitement. When you ask God about your marriage and the breakthrough in your marriage or the finances that we talked about a moment ago, you've got to envision. You've got to use your imagination. Do you realize that God has given us the gift of imagination? Imagination is the ability to have images and to have like a video, if you will, or pictures, pics, as we say today, inside your mind of whatever it is. In this case, what you're seeing your future to be. Amen? So when you pray and ask God for a breakthrough in your marriage, and then your marriage all of a sudden goes even more south, how many have ever seen that happen? You ask God for something and it gets worse. Just me and Paul, nobody else. Anybody else gonna, you're leaving me, I feel like I'm, I'm waiting for a high five and nobody's giving it to me. Isn't that true? But we've got to keep alive the imagination within us, the images that we see of that breakthrough. Folks, that's all part of faith. 
Faith allows us to see. Amen. Hope starts, but hope doesn't give you the picture of what God. Hope is like you picking up the camera. And then when you turn your faith switch on, it's like you take the snapshot of what you want your future to be. Fact number nine, God will replace every financial disaster with a financial miracle. Miracle. You gotta believe that. I think we touched on that last week, so I, I might be a little behind on the blanks, but you, you've gotta understand, God has no problem with money. Nor should we. Because you need it. It's a tool. Are you with me? Number 10, you must refuse to permit words of discouragement in your mouth. You've got you to refuse those, those, those statements. You've got to refuse those confessions. This isn't working. I guess God didn't hear me. Oh, well, I guess God forgot about me. Lord, how long must I wait? You've got to refuse those confessions. Isaiah 41 verse 10, it says, fear not for I am with you. Be not what? For I am your God. Amen. And then Isaiah 59, 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, his glory from the rising sun. When the enemies come like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift you up. I have found that this is just for me personally. Yours may be different, but for me, praise and worship is what gets me out of those moments. It ignites my faith. It ignites my imagination. Man, when I'm worshiping God at home and I'm putting on some good praise and worship, whether it's from our church or from others, and and I'm caught up in that moment of worshiping the Lord and I'm really refocusing on him, something happens to my imagination. I start seeing my future in a different perspective, the right perspective, or what I originally started believing God for. How many know that's the Lord showing us? How many are with me? That's the Lord showing you. Listen, that's the Lord showing you what he sees. Number 11, keep your eyes fixed on the rewards that will follow your waiting. We talked about that. There's so many rewards. In fact, Sunday, part one, when we did this a few Sundays ago, we showed you the rewards of of what waiting does. Notice in your notes, all capped, keep focused. You gotta stay focused. But for some of us, that's, listen, I know you're turning pages, but if you're looking down, still keep, keep your ear uh, w- with me here. Because for some of us, keeping focus has to be a learned skill. Please understand that with sensitivity. It has to be a learned skill. Now, what I mean by that is, especially when it comes to our spirituality and and, and our growth as a Christian and as a spiritual person and walking with the Lord, that's something we have to learn as a skill. I'll give you an example. When it becomes a learned skill, weeks, now now I mean this with absolute love because I've been there, weeks won't go by without you reading your Bible. When you've learned to stay focused, maybe a day or two per se will go by, but not weeks. So it's got to be a learned skill to keep focused. Remember David versus Goliath. Come on. You mean to tell me David wasn't a focused person at that time? And he obviously wasn't focused on Goliath. Can't imagine with that moment. I'd love to go back in time and be there on that battlefield. Facing a giant, man, that's not some fantasy. That's a real fact story. I'd love to be there and see that moment. Amazing. 
most of all, Jesus versus Calvary. Could you imagine, we can't, what Jesus went through? But he stayed focused. How many are glad? You better, you better say amen to this. How many are glad Jesus stayed focused? Because we wouldn't be experiencing salvation that we do today. Number 12, you must continuously pray. Don't cease in your prayer life. That's what that talks about right there in First, First Thessalonians. Don't cease in your prayer life. Maintain your confession. Everybody say it. Maintain your confession. Turn to the person next to say, maintain your confession. Keep saying it. Let me give you an example because this is new for some. Keep saying it. My marriage is blessed. We are so in love with each other. It's going to be like a Hallmark movie. Lord, we're so blessed in our finances. We've got so much in our bank accounts. Lord, we are just, and if you have one bank account, get another one. Open it up for a dollar, amen? But expand yourself. I'm serious about that. The Lord challenged us years ago. He said, don't have one bank account. I want to bless them all. Amen? Keep saying it. Because, all right, I'll go back to my notes. Number 13, <laughs> avoid the temptation to create a backup plan. Well, woman, if you don't change, if this marriage don't get better by next month, <laughs> that was awesome. I was listening to them up here. I was like, that was good. How many know what I'm talking about? You don't have a plan B. Ephesians 4, 27, either good place to the devil. He loves for you to have plan B because to disconnect from plan A is to disconnect from your original faith statement. Your original moment of faith between you and the Lord. Remember, you cannot plan your success and failure at the same time. Either you plan, have planned for success or you have planned for failure. There's no in between. Come on, can I get an amen on that? Do you believe in the success of the Lord? Then don't go for plan B. Number 14, fuel, energize, strengthen the picture of your future. Fuel, energize, strengthen the, I wish we had time to teach on every one of those how to do that. How to fuel, energize, and strengthen the images, the imagination. You got the pictures of your future. You, man, sometimes if you even you've got to have a picture, an actual picture on your wall of whatever you're believing for. Again, I said it jokingly, but get a, get a picture of a famous Hallmark movie that you know ends with the marriage all blessed. Get a picture of that up on your wall and slap it every day and say, that's my marriage. I know that's pretty corny, but that's the only thing I could think of at the time. 15, don't fight your battles alone. Don't. Matter of fact, the scripture there is completely wrong. It wasn't those who typed its fault. It was mine. Here's the scripture I want you to have. is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine is to be the scripture right there. It says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. My Lord, do you hear what that verse is saying? Two are better than one because they have a reward for their labor. I need people to labor with me, to work with me for the breakthroughs I need in my marriage or my finances or whatever I'm waiting on God for. And I handpick very wisely who those people are, by the way. Don't go telling her, you know, I'm believing God for about $10,000. Don't go around and tell everybody, you know, I'm believing God for my messed up, wrecked marriage. Don't do that. Hand pick who you tell that to and who you ask humbly to help you. 
handpick. And, and here's the key. It's folks with a very successful marriage. <laughs> and it's not somebody broke. For your financial breakthrough. <laughs> Number 16, when you make a mistake, oh Lord, this is a good one. When you make a mistake, consider yourself that much closer to your harvest. Because remember, God knows you. And the moment you ask to the moment that it actually manifests whatever you've asked the Lord for in that span of time, God knows you're going to fail. He knows you're going to make mistakes. He knows you. Remember, he's more concerned about you than that actual blessing. He knows you're going to mess up. You haven't caught God off guard. <gasps> Ken, that's the 12th time you did the same thing. Each time you and I fail, we learn about ourselves even more. How many know that education is more priceless than doing everything right? Remember, don't be too, look at this next thought. I really want you to look at this. This is important. Because by the way, this fits the word that I shared at the beginning of, from Psalm 106 verse 43. Some of you who keep going back to some of the things you've been delivered from, here's the possibility of why you haven't really allowed the grace of God to keep you completely delivered. Look at this. Don't be too hard on yourself. The rewards of change are coming. You've got to dare to believe that God's changing you. Nobody else is going to do it. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Nobody else is going to believe you're changing as much as you should be. Nobody else can. The tendency of human nature is always to find our faults and our failures and our shortcomings. It's hard for us to believe the best in, in others. And, we're, and if we're expecting people to do that for us, they can't give it. You've got to get it from the Lord. Believe in who you are in Christ. Think on this. Overcoming many times requires more than one battle. Number 17, keep feeding your faith during the painful season of waiting. Find all the scriptures you can on marriage and consume them. Find all the scriptures you can on finances and consume them. Get teachings, get books. Man, everywhere you turn, we should be able to walk through your house. If I know you're believing for your marriage or your finances, I should walk through your house and see all kinds of books and CDs and Bible verses plastered all over your house. I should get in your car and have to move all the CDs or whatever you're listening to on marriage or finances or whatever, whatever you're believing God for, you should be consumed with that. 18, your seasons of waiting are not seasons of inactivity. That's what I just said. When you're waiting on God, you're growing yourself. You're feeding yourself. You're learning about yourself. You're educating yourself. And God's educating you and God's teaching you and God's growing you. It's a process. That's why I said at the very beginning of, the, of, of this uh, series that waiting on God is one of the greatest seasons of your life. Remember, God is moving people into your life. Angels are positioning to minister. Demons are being confronted. Strategies are being developed. Trust me, just like when you're in the waiting room of the emergency room, God, they're behind the scenes preparing for you to come in to relieve you of your pain. God's the same way. The moment you ask, he goes to work. Whew, how many believe we're going to do this? I got five minutes for two more facts. How many believe I could do it? We're going to do it. 
Lord Jesus, there's a miracle. You've waited so long. <laughs> Number 19, remind yourself. I love this one and it's why it's there because to me, joy is such a revelation. The joy of the Lord is such a revelation in my life because I went through a season, especially in ministry, that I didn't have it. And I tell you, when you don't have something, you learn real quick the value of it. Remind yourself that joy still flows in the heat of battle. <laughs> joy still flows in the heat of battle. You can still literally, though you're battling for your marriage and battling for your finances or whatever you're believing God for, you can still have a smile on your face. You can still have laughter in your life. Why? Because you know, hey, God's not done with me yet. He's changing me. He sees, just like we saw from Ecclesiastes, he sees the beginning and he sees the end. Isn't that cool? If you believe God sees the beginning and the end, surely you believe he sees all the in-between. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, and you became followers of us in the Lord, having received the word and much affliction, having received the word and much affliction, having received the word and much affliction. Simply translated for you and I, God will still teach you his word and still train you about the word even when you're afflicted. And you can still learn. Matter of fact, I believe we learn better when we're afflicted. We should. Because how many know pain will get your attention? Pain wakes you up, literally. How about even the physical? How many have ever had pain and it woke you up from a sound sleep? Did you catch that analogy? Sometimes we may go dull spiritually. Little sleep, little slumber, little folding of the hands to rest. And kind of, as I say for me, get lazy spiritually. Pain will wake you up. Thought that would go over real well. Let's go, let's go to the last one. Dun, dun, dun. I got two minutes and 41 seconds to get this across. How many believe we can do it? Last fact. Pastor Don, I'm so proud of myself. I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, he is too. I just, I don't. I, I, or I'll probably keep talking and we'll run out of time. I won't. I actually won't get you these last few. My wife's like, shut up and get to the notes. Yes, ma'am. Number 20, here we go. Ready? Never consider quitting, ever. Lord, I will believe till I die. You gotta have that bulldog faith. Lord, I will believe till I die. Matthew 10, 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he, he who what? Come on, look at it, say it. Indoors to the end will be? Remember, get up, try again and again and again. And here's the last thought. Hell fears a fighter. The devil hates when you become tenacious in your faith fight. He hates it. Matter of fact, that's, listen, that's why he attacks your imagination with all those, those wrong illusions. That's why he does that. Because he wants to destroy, listen, everybody look at me, we're, we're finishing here, but listen to this. He wants to destroy the original pictures, the images of your future that God showed you in your imagination that God inspired. He wants to destroy all those. Cause them to become all black and white, take all those colorful pics of your future that God's been giving you. He wants to turn them into a black and white horror movie. But you gotta fight to keep those, listen, you gotta fight to keep those images alive. Listen to me, 
Fight to keep the image of your wonderful marriage, your breakthrough in your finances, healing and health in your body, relationships restored, the employment that you believe you're to have, the life and peace in your home life. Fight for those images. See it, see it, see it, then say it, and God will do it. Amen? Come on, let's pray over this. Let's pray over this. Heavenly Father, there are some here who have quit. And I believe that they've been here throughout this series because some have said it, not out of just chance. It's you, you, you divinely appointed that they be here because their, their quitter aspect and approach, quitting is going to stop. They're going to turn on that I'm not going to quit spirit and they're going to dare to believe. So Father, that's first my prayer is for those people. Those who have decided to quit right now, they're repenting, they're saying, Lord, forgive me for quitting, which simply means doubting. But now I'm going to entrust you again with whatever I quit concerning. I now choose to believe. I now choose to believe you, Lord. And you fill in the blank, folks, whatever that may be. Father, help them. Help them, help them to have that bulldog faith. In Jesus' name. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.